All right, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the Renegade EDC podcast, where we are still going through the top 10 list for 2020. Uh, This is December 31st, so this is literally the last day of 2020, so I am squeaking in this top 10 list at the final minutes, uh, but we're going to get it done. So, uh, first off, I hope everybody is going to have an amazing New Year's Eve. I uh, hope that you get to enjoy family, uh, get you get to have a good time, and that everybody is uh, safe out there. So, uh, let's get into this episode. As we always do, let's start off with a quote. Today's quote is from Theodore Roosevelt, one of the great presidents of the United States, and this quote goes as follows. Do what you can with what you have where you are. So, um, I am a person that this quote speaks to in spades. This quote is quite literally made for me. Uh, And I think that it might help other people out there as well. So, uh, we've talked about this in in a couple of prior podcasts where I am the type of person that loves to do new things and I always jump in with both feet or head first. That's always been uh, both a, a huge benefit of mine and a huge curse as well. Uh, so since this is the, the last episode of the year, I'm going to go ahead and let the, the cat out of the bag, if you will. Um, there, there may be a new line of products coming to Renegade EDC that is not handkerchief related. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that until I have products ready to uh, display, but that also plays into this quote. Uh, starting this new line of products that I'm uh, so super excited about, uh, I got a little bit carried away with buying new machinery, new tools, new materials, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I went way overboard. I think that I could have taken that down a lot, really reduced my overhead, made a good product still, uh, but had, I could have done it with a lot less or even some of the things that I already have. So do what you can with what you have. A lot of people message me on on Instagram, and they're like, you know what? I love your pictures. Your your pictures look fantastic. Your gear looks fantastic. I take that as an immense compliment because I'm definitely one of those pers- pe- people that is uh, overly self-critical, um, and I take a picture, and it, it's almost never good enough uh, for me. I always question it. I end up posting it. I liken back to uh, that uh, Peter McKinnon episode or uh, YouTube video where he was talking about, you know, sometimes it's about just posting. It's not about perfection. If you're looking for perfection, you're going to just agitate yourself into oblivion. You're never going to get anything out there. Uh, so I go with good enough, and, and I post it. But what a lot of people don't know uh, you know, they're talking about how how good my photos are and wondering how I did it. And then I'll reply back to them like, well, that photo was taken with my iPhone. And you kind of get the the ellipsis back where it's just like dot, dot, dot. You're kidding, right? That's that's just your iPhone. I'm like, yeah, I, I just I was at an inspection uh, for clients, not even my house. Uh, I just happened to see a uh, if you were on my uh, my Instagram here recently, you'll see my uh, impulse mini on kind of a, a staircase. That's not my house. I don't have any lights. I don't have any other stuff other than what's on my person. I have my cell phone. I have my knife and I have my tool bag. Uh, I found good, good light. I took a picture with my iPhone. I did some minimal editing and I posted it and people loved that photo. I was doing what I could with what I had where I was at. And if you try to gain some knowledge and understand a little bit about what you're doing, you can really do a lot with what you have. Instead of spending a bunch of money, uh, I have a $6,000 camera uh, that sits in a camera bag 90% of the time because I'm too lazy to take it out. And some of my photos are taken on that camera. Uh, But when I post a photo from that camera, the day after I post a a cell phone photo on my Instagram, nobody notices. The The detail 
is so minute in difference that your average person, if they're not looking for it, is probably never going to notice. As long as it is good light and well edited, they're, they're never going to tell. So especially if you're looking at growing your Instagram, uh, growing your follower base, growing your, your communities and your tribes, you can do it with what you have. You don't have to have anything super special. Uh, and that is, like I said, this quote's for me. It's something that I should grab a hold of. Uh, really do more with less. Okay, so now that we have uh, talked about the quote, gotten that taken care of, let's get into the knives. And we are on to my heavy hitters for this year. So this is the top three knives in my collection as of 2020. And these are not knives that were necessarily released in 2020. These are just my three favorite knives of 2020. I keep saying three, I actually mean four because the number one spot is actually two knives that I could not separate from one another. Uh, So it's four knives, but it's the top three places. Number three uh, will probably not be a surprise uh, to anyone that's been following me for a while. Uh, They know that I use this knife all the time. I abuse this knife all the time, and I recently had it modded uh, by Razor Ramon, who did an absolutely fantastic job on it. The knife is so gorgeous that it's one of those things that I kind of want to put it in a display case and stick it right beside the monitor on my computer with a light on it so that I can just kind of admire it every single time I sit down at my desk. And honestly, it's been sitting on my desk organizer every single day that it hasn't been in my pocket just so that I can do that. I'm sitting at my computer, I'm doing work, and uh, I am taking a look at this knife, I'm picking it up, I'm fidgeting with it. it it's an absolute joy uh, to have here. So let's break down the Sabenza. So this is the Chris Reeves Sabenza. This is the Insingo uh, blade shape. This is the large version because none of us really want the small. Let, let's be serious. So uh, Sabenza in, in Zulu actually means work or worker. And Insingo, uh, at least to the information that I have been able to find, means razor or sharp. So this knife name actually means work razor or worker sharp, one of the two. Um, the, the knife is impeccably made. Uh, the blade length is 3.6 inches, overall length of just over uh, eight and a third inches. Once again, we have a hollow grind. Uh, So it's been so repetitive that that grind falls into my top 10 list because I absolutely love a hollow grind blade. Super slicey. Not going to go super detailed in it because, like I said, I think I've mentioned it on like four other knives in the top 10 list. Uh, This knife is... um, The blade is made out of S35VN. It's the Crucible uh, S35VN. And it's a a really good blade steel. Uh, It's well-rounded, and it has some problems, and it has some things that are are going for it as well. And we'll talk about those in just a moment. Uh, This particular one, of course, titanium frame. Uh, Mine had the black Micarta inlays, and then when I had it modded, uh, I had Ramon... Uh, do a bronze with a bead blast on the scales, bronze anno on the hardware, and then had him texture the micarta, which really adds such a haptic feel to the knife. So this, the smooth micarta had a good feel to it as well. But adding a, a bead blast to, uh, to the scales and that texture to the micarta makes this thing like holding on to grip tape from a skateboard, like holding on to a piece of sandpaper it has that grip, and it really just contours to the hand well, uh, and it sticks in there. Um, <laughs> kind of almost feels like I'm Spider-Man holding onto this knife because all of the texture that's on the scale and the the inlays really just holds that knife right in the hand. Uh, so, a lot of us know 
who CRK is, Chris Reeve Knives, and uh, what they are known for. But just to top it off, they are known for making a, a knife that has incredible tolerances. They have some of the best equipment and some of the most meticulous machining uh, where they're looking down into the 10,000th of an inch when they're manufacturing these items. So they have incredible tolerances. Uh, this knife, much like the 1911, and I know that I'm going to trigger a bunch of people in the in the gun world uh, with this. Um, I I'm a big 1911 guy. I've carried a 1911 way more than I've carried any new age uh, firearms. Uh, I do carry a um, a Springfield XDS currently, but the 1911 to me was always a an incredible workhorse, uh, really dependable gun, and the CRK is the 1911 of the knife world for me. It does everything very, very well. It has some problems uh, with it. So I'm sure if anybody is a gun gun person, you've seen the meme where somebody's 1911 jams because they used a different bullet or didn't keep it cleaned or didn't keep it oiled or whatever that may be. I personally never had that problem uh, with my 1911, uh, but the memes are there for a reason. Somebody has had that problem. Uh, and the the Sebenza is 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 kind of in that same same ballpark. It does everything well, uh, but it it falls behind in in some cases. Uh, along with the ironclad design, you also have reliability. Uh, this thing is phenomenally reliable. It is super basic. The engineering and makeup of this knife basically makes it so that you have zero issues with with blade play movement it's really simple to take apart put back together clean and with the s35 vn it's incredibly easy to sharpen and that's great that it's incredibly easy to sharpen because you're going to be doing it a lot a lot. If you actually use this knife, and I say that from experience, and you'll see that on my pictures and my Instagram, I am the kind of person that will jam this knife into the mud, cut things in the dirt, bust it up against rocks. I'm not babying this knife. Uh, this isn't some Fabergé egg that I'm going to keep in my pocket. I bought this to beat the ever-living hell out of it and to make my life easier. But because of that kind of soft blade steel, the edge likes to roll. Now, with the hollow grind, if you don't damage the edge too bad, you can just touch this up with a with a leather strop, and your, your edge will return if you're not abusing it. I abuse my knives. So typically, I get home, and a leather strop isn't going to fix all of my issues. It really means I'm going to break out my wicked edge. I'm going to set all the uh, the angles, and I'm going to put a fresh edge uh, on this, which with my OCD nature normally means I'm going to return it to a mirror polish. So I'm going to sit here for the next 35 to 40 minutes mirror polishing this blade basically every two to three times I've used it, if not every time that I use it. So that's that's really my only kind of con with that s35 vn and that's why the majority of the knives on my top 10 list are m390 m4 van x l max you know one of those super steels okay so some other things that the sabenza has going for it actually are some things that chris reeve themselves has going for them uh they were an industry leader uh, in the knife world. I, I say were because I kind of view it in the past tense. Um, Chris Reeve was one of the people that um, innovated the frame lock in the knife. So most of our modern knives with the frame lock and, you know, even into the liner lock, they all kind of take inspiration from Chris Reeve designs. He was also a very influential figure in the making of S35 VN at the start, which when when his company was coming to prominence, S35VN would have been the end-all, be-all of blade steels. You know, we, we probably didn't have all of the super steels that we have today, and if we did, the price was so unbelievably high that it wouldn't have been conceivable to use those anyway. So, and that kind of leads me to, to some of the other cons of it. Much like the 1911, this design is dated, we have so many knife makers out there that are doing things better with 
better blade steels, with better uh, designs, with better ergonomics, with better fidgetability. Um, there, there are so many things that CRK has been passed up by, especially in the last probably 10 years. Uh, you've really seen this exponential growth in the market. And they're one of those companies that, you know, their their product is still heavily wanted, but they're getting so much further behind the mark that if they continue to sit stagnant, you, you kind of wonder, you know, looking, uh, I'm a business minded person and every single year I have to, I have to change up something. I have to do more continued education credits than my competitors. I have to add a new service that my competitors don't, whether it be drone footage or infrared photography or thermal imaging or scoping, anything like that. I have to stay ahead of my competition to make sure that my business uh, stays doing what it's doing, which ties into the quote from the last episode, success is not final. When I was writing that quote down, I was actually thinking of my number three knife. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is courage to continue that counts from Winston Churchill. CRK is that company that made an amazing knife. They made a banger of a knife. They've got multiple of those knives out. They're basically the same thing. The, the Sabenzo and the Inkosi, um, the, um, the other one, the other Z one, I, I completely lost the name of it right off the top of my head. Um, they're all three basically the same knife with minor tweaks in, in blade shape and, um, and manufacturing, but they're not much different. You look at companies like Microtech, you look at companies like Chavez at Pena, they are making knives that are, in in my opinion, just as good, if not better, than anything that Chris Reeve Knives does. Now, Chris Reeve is probably more well-known than all of those companies and probably will continue to be for at least a little while longer, but they're falling behind uh, and if they continue to fall behind and there's not something that they do that's in a, uh, an innovation, I, I kind of wonder you know, where their company is going to be in the next decade. So that talking about that, um, basically the, the shade that I just threw at CRK Knives, why then is the Sabenza in my top three? So uh, I've already talked about the incredible tolerances, the ironclad design, the reliability, and my love for antiquated things like the 1911. Some other things that go into effect uh, with the Sabenza is resale. Uh, I bought the, the current Sabenza that I have. I bought it beat up. Uh, the person that sold it to me um, told me that it was... It was beat up. It was not well cared for. The edge was like a butter knife. It had a bunch of gook in it. Uh, but I bought it anyway just because I know that it has incredible tolerances and ironclad design, and it's reliable. I knew that even though this thing, when he tried to flip it open, it looked like somebody had stuck it in concrete. It was so difficult uh, to push open. The anodization job that was done on it by the, the previous person looked ugly as sin. It was absolutely terrible. It was this like ugly purple color. Um, it just didn't look good, but I knew that I could invest the, the $150, uh, that was in this knife, bring it in, clean it up. And if I turned out not to want it, probably resell it for at least double what I paid for it. And now that it has a good a good uh, mod set on it that actually looks fantastic, but probably get more money out of it than that. But I've really fallen in love with it. The value has a, a very decent chance of increasing. And I say that for a couple of reasons. So if, if Chris Reeve knives uh, innovate, this is going to be the OG uh, knife and and we can see that with with other knife makers where they they may have kind of uh, fallen off for a little while and they brought something huge uh, that just 
wowed the market. And then their original stuff that had, you know, kind of fallen off in popularity to begin with, then becomes really uber expensive because people liking their new stuff want to go back and buy the original. The other thing, so that's the the kind of good note on the, the price or value increase. Let's talk about the bad side. Let's let's talk about artists. So with an artist, what is probably the biggest attributing factor to the cost of their art going up? It's probably their death, right? A lot of these artists, you know, Shakespeare, um, Picasso, you know, a lot of these people, they may have been popular in life, but in death, their popularity increased by hundreds upon hundreds of percent. You know, a a Picasso painting right now is going to sell for money amounts that Picasso himself would have never even fathomed, even, you know, factoring in, you know, how much the dollar is worth now versus how much the dollar was worth then. The chance of Chris Reeve Knives not innovating and their company, you know, falling away, and I'm not wishing any ill will on them at all, so so please don't uh, take it that way. But say their company was to fail in the future, anything that they have made is going to become a collector's item because whatever has been manufactured is the, the finite that is there. They're, if their company goes away, there's never going to be another Sabenza made. Therefore, the value of it is probably going to go up. So in either way, I feel that this knife or anything else from CRK to that uh, to that effect is probably a pretty safe bet. If you could get one at a good price now and sit on it for the next 10 to 15 years, I would say there's a decent chance you're probably going to realize a return on your investment for either the positive reason or the negative reason. The other reason that the um, that Suspenza is in my top three list is, again, I've talked about this in, in prior podcasts as well, uh, recently had a son 19 months ago, uh, and I've started to think about uh, things that I can pass on to him. So things that would be valuable in my life that could also be sentimental or valuable to him, you know, maybe a graduation present, dad's pr- one of dad's favorite knives, uh, you know, as a, as a token of appreciation for graduating college or high school or some other life milestone. This is something that could, could be meaningful to him down the road. So there's a, there's a heritage quality to it. So it's strong enough that it can last through my lifetime and strong enough that it could last through, through his as well. It's tried and true. So I don't have to worry about some of my newer knives, I kind of have to put them to the test and damage them, you know, just to make sure that they're not going to fail when I need them the most. The CRK, I don't have to do that. People have been doing it for 20 years. This knife is tried and true. And the last thing, which isn't <laughs> isn't applicable to me because of the, the modding has voided the warranty, but the CRK warranty is almost second to none. They encourage you to use the knife. They've got a spa treatment. They'll re-bead blast um, everything. They'll touch it up. So if you get the notorious snail trails on these, you can always send it back for a spa treatment and get everything uh, fixed up. Um, I, I did watch one uh, one YouTube interview with uh, Chris Reeve, who was the the owner and founder of the company who is not anymore where he had talked about how many blades that they had had fail. Uh, and he ended up just gifting people new blades because it, it happened so little, uh, that it, it wasn't a big detriment to the company to just replace blades for people. So warranty is almost second to none on the, uh, the Chris Reeve knives, which is, is fantastic. So, Many of you might wonder what exactly was done. So I told you that it's bead blasted and bronzed. uh, But if you've seen any of my videos where you watch me effortlessly flicking my my Sabenza open. So whether it's with my thumb or uh, I think I can actually five finger open uh, this this knife, which is kind of unheard of with a uh, with a CRK. Uh, How I achieved that is by polishing the washers and then using really good quality uh, pivot lube on them. So what I do to polish the washers is I actually use a leather strop 
uh, with a very high micron uh, honing compound on it. So like I said, I do use my, my Wicked Edge, and I believe I'm using 0.025 um, emulsion, uh, which is a very, very fine um, honing compound that goes on the on the Wicked Edge strops. And then I'll just take that washer and I will polish it to a mirror finish. I could literally shave in uh, the washers from my Sebenza. On the scale side of the washer, I use um, Knife Pivot Lube, uh, KPL, uh, and it is the medium weight uh, that they use. And then along the inside of the washer, where the washer meets the uh, blade, I use something called Tough Glide, uh, which is a um, kind of like a dry lubricant. It goes on and then it dries. It doesn't absorb dirt. It doesn't get goopy or gunky. Uh, and that is how I really tune my CRKs to perfection. Okay, so um, that really wraps up the the CRK. So it is number three in my collection it is there for all of those reasons. I believe that it will continue to stay in my collection for years to come, and that was one of the reasons why I had it modded. Uh, this this will be a, a permanent collection piece. Okay, so let's move on to number two. Uh, number two is another very popular brand, uh, and this is a knife that I have abused more than any in my collection. Uh, this is the Microtech Sigil MK6. And before I get too far ahead, I always forget this on the first knife, but let's do that ASMR flicking action. Let's hear the CRK Sebenza. Hmm. So really nice sounds uh, with the CRK. Now let's hear the difference in the Sigil Mark VI. Mm. That thing has some real metallic sounds going for it. Okay. Uh, so um, this Microtech Sigil, I actually purchased brand new in, let's see... March of 2017. It was manufactured in February of 2017. Uh, this one is uh, LMAX blade steel and the apocalyptic finish. Uh, the blade length is 3.7 inches. Um, overall length of 8.75 inches. So it is a big hoss. And this is a Warncliffe blade. And again, a hollow ground grind. A hollow grind. Um, again, it it's just the most incredible blade grind uh, for me. I really, really enjoy it. Another reason why this one is in the, the top two. This thing is my Terminator. Uh, so if I were to classify one of my knives as the T800 of knives, it would be the Microtech Sigil. Not only in looks, but the functionality of it as well. So it has the hollow grind, and then it also has a Warncliffe um, blade shape. This blade shape is incredibly strong, and that is evidenced by the fact that I have not snapped any part of this blade off. I've never had a chip on the belly, and the tip is still sharp and stabby after a few years of incredibly hard use. Uh, this thing is rugged, um, has an incredible blade shape. Ergonomics of the handle are absolutely uh, phenomenal as well. Uh, it's very fidgety uh, when opening. So much like a, a Spyderco, and I, I'm not going to call it a spidey hole because it is not uh, in any way, shape, or form a spidey hole. I would call this kind of like a an elongated hawkbill uh, kind of, uh, kind of, cut out in the blade uh, so it gives a nice spot for for finger flicking it also has a flipper tab on the back which is really under pronounced not really in the way uh, and has really good milling and manufacturing on it 
This blade, uh, aside from being the Terminator, has another likeness, and this is another reason why I love it. A lot of you have probably seen my little um, pocket jewelry, which is my Velociraptor Talon uh, that was made by Carbon Edge Customs. This knife, when opened up, kind of reminds me of a Velociraptor as well. It definitely has that bird of prey, uh, falcon or uh, egret kind of kind of look to it but it it just looks vicious it's one of those type of knives if you were to open it up and plop it down on a table somewhere you're probably going to get a couple of people that gasp and look at you like what the hell do you have that in your pocket for that giant horrible knife um and honestly that makes me makes me laugh a little bit because you know it's dumb but uh, it definitely looks super, super aggressive. Uh, the size of this knife is great. Blade length is phenomenal. So we've got a three and three quarter inch blade knife, uh, blade length. And then the scale, um, the actual handle of the knife is perfect uh, for my hand size. You have a, a nice little sharpening choil. Uh, that actually could double as a, a forward finger grip. And then you've got some nice jimping uh, that goes up the back of the blade for a really nice forward purchase uh, on the knife. I've also found myself pinching the knife at the end and using it as kind of a depth gauge. And I know that I've said that on a couple other knives before, uh, where I use it as kind of a depth gauge to determine how deep I am cutting into something. So opening boxes, it's a great way to do it. And this knife has some really great ergonomics where the meat of my thumb uh, kind of comes right up against the pivot. And then I can pinch the end of the blade with my uh, index finger and thumb as well. So great ergonomics, uh, shape of everything. It is a heavy knife, so I don't have the weight of it offhand, uh, but it is heavier than most, not as heavy as the, the number one spot, but still a nice heavy knife. And like I said, this is my most used knife. Uh, so I did a lot of um, contracting work. So this knife was actually right around the, the same time that I purchased the, the home that I am currently living in. Uh, and this home was in absolutely terrible condition. It was a complete gut and remodel. Uh, and where most people would probably be carrying some kind of a utility knife, um, razor knife, something like that for, for cutting drywall and doing all of those construction tasks. I carried this sigil. Uh, the, um, the remodel of my house took about uh, six and a half, seven months because I did a, a fair amount of the work uh, myself. Um, and this knife was with me 100% of the time, cutting drywall, stripping electrical wires, cutting. I actually used this thing to cut duct work. Uh, there were a couple of times where I couldn't find my, uh, my duct cutting tool and I would just use this knife, just jam it down into the tin, uh, slice it up. I did sharpen it a decent amount. Uh, but you would actually be surprised that I could spend an entire day cutting drywall, uh, with this scoring drywall, breaking it, cutting holes. Uh, and then I could take it home, hit it with a leather strop. And most of the time I could still get hair to pop on my arm. Um, like I said, even with all of that abuse, my tip is still super, super pointy. Um, it's, it's absolutely incredible that a knife could go through that much abuse. And I say abuse because most people, um, aren't going to use their knife to cut drywall. Drywall is terrible on a knife blade. The drywall dust is terrible on the pivot. It gunks up everything. It's one of the worst things that you can probably do outside of jamming your knife into concrete, uh, cutting drywall with it. Cutting tin, probably a little bit worse. Uh, stripping wire, not a hard task, but uh, the knife fit well for all of that. And I've owned quite a few other Microtechs, but the, the Sigil is the only one that has remained in, in my collection. The cons of of the Microtech is is the hardware, and I think that the hardware is my only complaint about this knife. And I can kind of understand why they do it. Uh, Microtech, I don't believe, is a company that really wants you servicing your own knives. Most of them are OTFs; they don't want you taking them apart. And because of that, they have this kind of like 
Zelda Triforce-looking hardware on here that you have to buy a specific bit uh, to take apart. And because the pivot is a lot bigger than all of your scale hardware, you have to buy two of them. And that's, that's unfortunate. I am a person that likes to take my knives apart. I like to service them. I like to clean them. One of the first things that I do with a knife when it comes in brand new is take it apart, clean it, and put my oil in there. Uh, just because most manufacturers use a really shitty oil or sometimes grease. You open it up and it looks like a damn tractor U joint in there because somebody's thrown a bunch of black tar in there uh, that's gummed up all the works and made it look nasty. I probably spent the first nine months of owning this knife not able to take it apart, not able to tighten the pivot when it loosened um, properly. And uh, because of that, I, I did get some scratches on here that will never come out, but it's not an issue because this thing's never leaving my collection either. Uh, but that's really my biggest complaint about Microtech as a whole is the majority of their knives their LUDT, the, the Sigil, um, all of their OTFs, they have proprietary hardware on there where you have to have a specific bit to take them apart, and I really, just really don't like that. But that's it for the Sigil as well. So now we get to the Big Kahuna or the Big Kahunas. This is a knife brand that has been featured on my page a great many times. Um, it has dominated my Instagram for the last few months since I discovered them. And it's one of the few brands that I have actually had conversations with the, the designer uh, of the knife. So Giant Mouse, uh, I've talked with uh, Jim Worth a few times, a super great guy, um, but I, I haven't had super in-depth conversations with him about anything. Joseph over at Vero Engineering uh, has been a guy that has uh, definitely made himself available to his customers. So you see him all the time liking people's pictures, commenting on them, sharing them. Uh, he is fantastic at being super transparent with his community. And those are some of the factors that went into these two knives being tied for the, the number one spot. So without further ado, we are talking about the Vero Engineering Impulse, which the one that I have is the Gen 1. It is the OG knife, the first one uh, that he designed and manufactured, and one of his more recent releases, which is the Impulse Mini. Don't let the word mini fool you. It is not much smaller than the full-size Impulse. So, right off the top, uh, let's talk about uh, some of the reasons why the Vero engineering knives are at the top of my list. The price. So, if you are lucky enough uh, to get on his website when he does release, you get that click buy uh, option done before your cart gets emptied out because somebody else beats you to it. The original price, the table price uh, or MSRP on these knives is fantastic. For the materials that he is putting forth uh, and the price that these knives are at, you are going to be pretty hard pressed to find a knife with similar quality within a hundred to $200 of these knives. Uh, so the you're looking at around the the 300 ish mark uh, for these uh, MSRP secondary mark. You're <laughs> I I just recently saw an Impulse Mini sell on on eBay for 680 dollars, uh, brand new in box. So if you're unfortunate enough to to miss uh, the the ability to buy one of his knives, the secondary prices are not very kind. Um, and just a, a little plug for, for Vero's uh, Facebook group. Uh, go to uh, Vero Engineering. He, he talks about the Facebook group all the time. You can look at a number of his posts and videos, and he'll, he'll link to the, uh, the Facebook group. But if you are looking for one of his knives, the Facebook group is the best place to do it. Uh, the people over there are super fantastic. Um, I, I've seen multiple times where somebody that's had you know three or four of a certain... Um, certain release of his knives have let them go at cost price just to get somebody that has never had one in their hands 
a, a chance uh, to hold on to them. So fantastic guys uh, over there. Mod The mods are fantastic. Joseph's fantastic. So I would strongly recommend you go over there and take a look. The other thing about Vero products, uh, so getting past the Facebook thing, is fit and finish. Uh, fit and finish on these knives is is fantastic. So with the, the Impulse Gen 1 that I have uh, and from the person that I purchased this off of, I actually believe that this... Um, this impulse was originally Taylor Martin's and was featured in the video where he first talked about the Vero Impulse Synapse and Fulcrum. Uh, this one is number 63 of the original 100 made. And me, like a dunce, um, I, I somewhat regret it and somewhat don't at the same time. I had this one modded because this is another one of those knives that will probably never leave my collection. Um, but with it being a Gen 1, it's kind of like having a first edition of a book and then, you know, signing Merry Christmas from Dad in it and ruin it. I, like I said, I kind of regret it. I kind of don't because it's a one-off piece that is, that is absolutely gorgeous. Um, but fit and finish of the, of the Gen 1 Impulse is fantastic, especially when you consider that it was the first knife uh, that he released under his brand. Uh, so absolutely fantastic on that. And then the Impulse Mini just took that up an incredible set of notches uh, and came out fantastic as well. You can tell with both of these knives that they were designed by a knife enthusiast for other knife enthusiasts. So Joseph has said multiple times that with the, the Gen 1 Impulse, he made a knife that he wanted. And as a person that used a knife in a great number of different scenarios, whether it be from you know a manual labor perspective to being a, uh, a desk jockey, uh, maybe just opening packages, this knife was something that fulfilled the needs that he had. And because of his background, just so happens that this knife fits just about everybody in the EDC community very, very well. You can really tell the difference uh, when holding a, a Vero design product versus other products. And that goes from his, his knives also into his pry bars. Uh, me being in the building trades, I use pry bars all the time now to, to try and save my knife blades. And I've had a, a great number uh, of different pry bars and all of them worked, uh, but didn't work well. They, they were too small. They incorporated a, a bit driver in it, but you had to take the bit out and put it in sideways and then twist it around and, they, they just didn't didn't work well. Um, his products, you can really tell the difference in the thought that's been put into them. So the Fulcrum, the Impulse, um, the future knives that he has coming out that I don't have in my hand yet, um, I'm looking forward to everything because the, the Impulse is so well thought out. Every aspect of it, the, the fidget factor of it, the flipper tab, the hardware, the pivot... Um, everything's just super, super thought out on these. So let's get into uh, the, the details of the knife a little bit more. So these are produced by Best Tech, uh, and Best Tech is really a company that is, is shining a lot of light uh, as they're coming up and growing in prominence. They've done a fantastic job on these knives. Fit and finish is fantastic. The Gen 1 Impulse uh, that I have has a blade length of 3.67 inches and an overall length of 8.63 inches. So again, another beast of a blade, uh, another beast of a handle. This thing is great for those guys that have giant ham hands or big giant mitts. Uh, the Impulse Mini, and as I told you earlier, don't take Mini to heart because it's not much different. Blade length is 3.4 inches. So we're talking about, you know, two tenths of an inch. <coughs> not a huge difference in between the two. And the overall length is eight inches. So it kind of feels like um, the blade didn't get much smaller, but the overall length of the knife uh, did get a decent amount smaller. Um, these are flat ground knives uh, with a um, pretty, pretty nice Tanto uh, and M390 blades, titanium scales, uh, titanium hardware, and uh, they ride on bearings. 
So fantastic quality. Like I said, number 63 is my serial number on the Gen 1, and 298 is the serial number on my Mini. Uh, like I said before, this knife or these knives are number one, not only because they're my absolute favorite knives in my collection, but also because of the maker. So Joseph has done an amazing job at being incredibly transparent and keeping in contact with his customers. I would say that Joseph has almost gained somewhat a, of a, a minor cult um, following. There are people that are absolute shills when it comes to his products, and I would claim to be to be one of those people. Uh, everything that I've touched that's been manufactured by him has wowed me, and uh, I've really had a hard time keeping those products like the Impulse and the Fulcrum out of my pockets. <coughs> Excuse me, let me get a drink. <clears throat> so, he has uh, really poured a lot of effort into the product and really poured a lot of effort into his involvement in the community. And, and one thing that I really liked really early on, so for a while uh, I had discovered Vero, I had discovered his products and really had been intrigued by them, but I didn't have anything other than the Fulcrum yet. So the Fulcrum was the first thing that I got. I absolutely loved it. It was in my pocket 100% of the time and still is. Uh, and after experiencing the Fulcrum, I'm like, you know what? I want to see what this guy has when it comes to to knives. So uh, a buddy of mine on Instagram was like, well, you need to you need to go to his his Instagram and the Facebook group. And he goes, you need to, anytime that he posts something that says to, to comment in, he goes, you do it. And then you sit there while he's he's drawing names because you have to be present to win. So <laughs> that was one of the super cool things is when his products go up for sale, he doesn't, you know, he may have such and such many, say 500 uh, that he has manufactured, but he may only put 300 up for sale. The other 200 he may hold back to do something special, Cerakoting, engraving, you know, whatever it might be, something cool. And then what he does is he does these lotteries. So the lottery is for a chance to purchase this item. If you're not somebody that could have made it to the original sale or you got cart sniped or whatever it might be, you still have an opportunity if you pay attention and show up to win the ability to, to buy a knife at that table price, that MSRP price. And that's incredible. This guy could take every single one of those knives, put them up for sale, and sell them to the first person that could show up and hit the buy link. So then you're going to be feeding all of these these scalpers and secondhand sellers to further delineate this this market with, with overpriced secondhand knives and just making it impossible for everybody else to get in here. But he keeps a hold of these does these cool things, these lotteries. So if you're that person that missed out on it the first time, you might have a chance to have a one-off that nobody else has, which is, is, is just super cool. Uh, and I'm sure there's some kind of, of monetary expense that he's experiencing personally to, to have these knives produced and then just sit on them, pay to have special stuff done to them, and then you know wait and put them up on a lottery. So it's, it's really admirable uh, to me to, to have that kind of thing. The other part of that lottery system that really plays into the Vero experience is that that kind of that rhythmic heartbeat feel that you get when you when you've tuned into the Instagram live and he's talking about he he uses that as an opportunity to talk about everything that's going on with his company which leads into that transparency. So he's talking about, you know, where we're at on the Impulse Mini production. You know, these are the lotteries that he was doing a couple months ago. This is where they're at. This is what they're looking at. Here's the prototype that I have in my hand. This is what I'm expecting to happen. Where do you get that in the knife world? Where do you have that kind of transparency where a maker is talking about all of the behind-the-curtain stuff so that you're completely in the know, you completely understand what's going on, when it's going to happen, and you can get excited about it with him as it's progressing on, you get to see that evolution. Um, and then you're sitting there on that lottery when that, that time finally comes and 
you see the list of names and sometimes he's paging up through it and you get to see your name and you're looking at the numbers. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm number 950 through 965. If he pulls anything in that, in that 15 number realm, that that's me. I, I want it. And then every time he hits that random button, your heart beats or skips a beat. You get that palpitation. And then you see the name that comes up and you watch the chat explode waiting for that person that was called to hopefully be in that chat enjoying stuff with a tribe of people that's just wow you know that is an experience that is not out there with with anybody else you see the same people in those chats you see mb wild you see myself you see broad scotch you see old man bob poncho you see all of these names in there, people have generated these relationships, and every time a name is pulled, they are waiting to see that that person is sitting in there to raise their hand and go, yes, I won that. That's phenomenal. <clears throat> let's, let's, let's move on. I can talk about that, um, get into the sentimentality of that uh, for, for a lot longer, uh, but I, I think I've established the message there. Has your joy spiked uh, when he posts about what's going on with his company? So touched on that as well. Let's go more into the knives. So the pros of both of these knives, both the the Impulse and the Impulse Mini, I love their sizes. Um, they don't vary that much, uh, but there is a little bit. And both knives feel fantastic in the hand. Uh, they fit well in the hand. The action in both of them is absolutely fantastic. So before I forget, let's do uh, the ASMR section. So this is the Gen 1 Impulse. And this is the Impulse Mini. Mmm, tasty. Both of them sound... Absolutely fantastic. Uh, they are super strong knives. The uh, the Gen 1 Impulse, before I sent it out for, for modification, I beat the daylights out of this knife. Uh, I did, I batoned with it. I carved wood with it. I was actually uh, scoring drywall with it as well. The The Tonto is incredibly strong. The grind is great. M390, of course, is, is absolutely fantastic. So super strong all the way across the board fidget factor so there's this little fuller on the on the frame lock side of this knife where you can uh, put your um your fingers uh into this uh this fuller uh pinky finger ring middle index finger you can really <laughs> uh, i believe the the facebook uh group uh, talks it about flicking the V, uh, of course, the, the sexual context there, uh, where you rub that little fuller um, uh, to open up the knife. And that, of course, gets a, gets a real laugh out of me every time uh, that I see it. But that, that has an incredible amount of uh, a fidget factor uh, to it. Maintenance on this knife is also incredibly easy. Uh, you're only talking about uh, three screws, uh, including the pivot to take apart to get this knife apart. You have caged bearings. You have uh, the blade itself. That's it. That's it. That's all you have to take apart to service this knife. Clean it, lubricate it, throw it back together, and this thing is perfect once again. Um, another pro is, of course, the resale and secondary. Uh, you can buy one of these knives, you can use it, you can abuse it, you can decide that it's not your thing or you want to move on, you want to trade, you want to do whatever you want. There is a huge market for these. Like I said at the beginning, I've seen the Impulse Mini go as high as $680 on eBay, and you're talking about a knife that's in the $300 realm at table price. That's a huge profit margin if you were to want to sell one of these. I don't know why anybody would sell them. You definitely have the capability uh, to do it. Uh, so apart from the fuller, the flipper tab on the back of the knife is also a fantastic design. 
reminiscent or reminds me a lot of a front flipper where that flipper tab is pretty much out of the out of the road. You're not snagging it on anything. You're not accidentally opening it for any reason. Uh, has a great functionality once you once you learn how to open. It's not your typical flipper tab where you pull just straight down the back of the scales. You kind of want to pull down and away to get your finger out of the way uh, so that you don't get pinched on a little pinch point back there. Uh, but other than that, you have that fuller to use uh, to open it up as well. Blade shape, also fantastic. So everything about the, the complex grind at the end, the tanto, everything about this blade just screams strength and rigidity. But that also leads me to one of my cons of this blade. So I love the strength and rigidity of a tanto, but because I'm always so short on time, I do not like the extra time that it takes to sharpen a tanto. I do think that the the Synapse and the Synapse XL are probably going to overtake the impulse when I finally get those in my hands. Um, and I, I have both of those knives on, on pre-order, uh, the Gen 2 Synapse and the Synapse XL. Um, I think that those were going to overtake the impulse and the impulse mini when they come in just because they have... That, that standard belly shape uh, without the Tanto. That is my preference just because of, of ease of sharpening. So the Tanto is both a pro and a con for me. Uh, if, the, if you do plan on keeping these knives in your collection for a long time, the Tanto is so unpronounced that somebody that wasn't caring could just go right through the belly of this blade, sharpen it as one, and probably round that uh, that tanto out into just a standard belly knife. Because I never know if I'm going to to sell or trade something, I tend to to try to keep it as close to original as possible. Uh, that being said, my Impulse Mini because I have it, or my uh, Impulse Gen One because I have it modded. Uh, before I sent it off to modding, I actually did kind of mellow out uh, the Tanto and then changed the edge geometry on it a little bit as well. So I kind of um, kind of changed the, the sharpening degree on those to something that was more my preference. Um, but the, the Tanto is definitely a minor drawback to me. The next drawback uh, to me, and I'm sure Vero is sick of hearing this, the clip. I don't like the clip on either one of these. Functionality of it is great. So you've, you've heard me complain about a couple of the knives not fitting well uh, across the jeans. You don't have a problem with this. But what I do have a problem with is scratching my truck, um, hanging it on my seatbelt. Uh, there have been a couple of times where I've been on the job site and I go to reach for my knife and I'm like, oh shit, where the hell is it? It's gone. I have no idea where it's at. I panic. I go back to my truck, open up the door, and there the little shit is hanging on my seatbelt. Um, so that, that's really my only complaint about the, the clip is I don't experience hot spots in my hands. It's not in the way when I'm opening or closing the knife. It actually fits into the creases of my palm extremely well. He's designed the size of the clip very, very well for that. It is outside the realm of carrying it and using it that the clip bothers me. Like I said, when I when I scratched my truck with it, it's, it's partly my fault um, for brushing up my truck uh, against my truck in this way, but that that reflex deflex on on the clip and that kind of sharp edge uh, did not help. And then, of course, I have snagged it on my seatbelt multiple times and walked away from my truck without my knife in my pocket, only to have that panic attack where I'm like, uh-oh, I lost my absolute favorite knife. So I, I do kind of wish that there was another clip option, and I would really love to see a wire clip option, whether it be aftermarket or from uh, Vero Engineering. I think that a wire clip on on these knives would be uh, incredibly cool looking and a little bit more functional for me. I'm not sure that everybody else has that same sentiment. And um, with the, the size of his company now appeasing one person uh, is kind of outside of the realm of, of possibilities for that. The other con actually has nothing to do with me 
or the functionality of the knife, but actually has to do with the people around you. I have had my wife complain to me about me sitting and absentmindedly flipping this knife to the point that the clicking and clacking of it opening and closing has quite literally driven her insane where she's like, put that knife back in your pocket. The fidgetability of this knife is so incredible that I will actually find myself, and I've actually done it a couple of times sitting here doing the podcast where I'm like, people listening to this podcast are going to get really sick of hearing this clickety-clack in the background, and I have to put the knife down and put my hands in my pockets to keep myself from grabbing a hold of this knife and flipping it some more. It is addicting. Uh, I never need a fidget spinner. I never need a a top. I never need anything else in my pocket other than a Vero product uh, when it comes to the knives because the the fidgetability of these knives is just absolutely incredible. I have more fun playing with my uh, Impulse Mini than any other knife in my collection. And it's because of that that it's probably my least favorite knife for uh, from my wife, my wife's least favorite knife for me to carry. My last fear, and I'm going to say this in in closing because we just hit the hour point. So anybody that's still here, thank you for sitting and listening to me babble on about knives for the better part of an hour. My other fear with Vero, and and this is kind of more comic relief than something uh, that I actually think, but I do see the potential for this uh, here. My biggest fear is that as I acquire more Vero products, that my top five lists within the next year will sound something like this. Number one, Vero Axon. Number two, Vero Synapse. Number three, Synapse XL. Number four, Impulse. Number five, Impulse Mini. Now, do I actually think that Vero is going to dominate the entire top five list? No. And uh, I was actually just talking about this with another Instagram friend when I was talking about um, tonight's episode. The reason for it is kind of like the reason for it right now. Why um, why they're not number one and number two is because I just took the Impulse and the Impulse Mini and put them in the number one spot because they're they're so close that they're they're basically to me one and the same. The other Vero products may not dominate the top five list because next year when I'm doing this same episode. Uh, number one is going to be five knives, and it's going to be all those five from the the Vero line. My top ten is going to be more like a top thirteen, um, <laughs> which, like I said, more more comic relief than anything. But Vero's products that he has come out with um, within the time that I have been a a patron of his his company. They, they've all been fantastic. Uh, like I said, the fulcrum sits in my pocket all the time. Um, I have a full-size fulcrum that goes in my, my back left pocket with my handkerchief. It's got um, the, the T6 and the T8 bits in it for adjusting hardware on my knives. And then I also carry a, a Filson uh, messenger bag briefcase type thing. And it has the Impulse Mini uh, in that, and then it has a, a bit case that has all of the other bits that I could possibly use or need uh, with my with my fulcrums. So you know, I've got two fulcrums, I have two impulses, and I have one of each of his other knives on on pre order, or I am currently looking for like the Gen One Synapse, the Gen Two Impulse. Um, I really want to have one of everything that he has made, just because. They are impeccably made. It's supporting a maker that legitimately cares about the product that he's producing and the people that are going to buy it and use it. He also wants to, like I said, even possibly at his own expense, holding back these knives so that he can do these lotteries and these cool things and these giveaways and all of this stuff that really sets him apart as a maker, a member of the the EDC community and just an all-around really solid guy. So I I really appreciate all of you uh, being here uh, with me, uh, listening to me talk for such a long time. Uh, Now that we are finally through uh, the top 10 list, 
Um, beginning off next year, we're going to talk about some other EDC items, and I'm going to lead off with one of the newest EDC items that has um, graced my collection, uh, and it's going to be a watch. So we are going to talk about the out-of-order um, automatic watch brand made in Italy, uh, and we're going to talk about the the recent acquisition that I have. And again, if you look at my Instagram, uh, you will see uh, that watch featured in the last uh, couple of posts. So that's going to be the first topic of conversation going into 2021. So I truly appreciate all of you that have uh, listened to the podcasts so far. I have a lot of really big plans uh, going into 2021 for not only the podcast, not only the handkerchief business, the new ventures uh, that I am going into. I'm currently uh, in negotiations with a couple of companies to do some some product drops and some collaborations, uh, some things that I'm really excited about, maybe even have some design work coming out uh, near the end of 2021. Hush, hush. Um but a lot of really cool things coming down the pipeline. So once again, I appreciate all of you. I hope that you have a wonderful New Year's. Uh, Enjoy yourselves, be safe, and I will see you next year.